The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with Kevin Stanfield and Claude Jennings, who are entirely responsible for its content. Sorry, guys, you are on your own. This is the Federal Football Report, a weekly wrap-up of all things burgundy and gold. The Federal Football Report on Federal News Radio. Here are your hosts, Kevin Stanfield and Claude Jennings. Welcome back to the Federal Football Report, 1500 AM, anywhere where you get your fine podcast. He's Kevin Stanfield on Twitter at Stanfield. Kevin, I'm at CJ Media, and we've got our buddy Rodney Henderson who's going to join us throughout the playoffs because his Giants are in the playoffs. I got a uh, text from my cousin Clyde Jenkins earlier today. He said, man, the NFC East is killing the NFC playoffs, except one team. He said, he said, you got four, he said three out the four teams that are left in the, in the playoffs are all from the NFC East, except the Washington Commanders. He wanted to make sure that I knew that, Kevin, and pass the message along to you. That's, that's one of the few rare times that Clyde has actually been, like, correct, man, this year. So, yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, but yeah, okay, that's one. As as my old grandpappy used to say, even the blind squirrel will catch an acorn every now and again. Mm-hmm. A broke clock is, is right at least twice a day, right? And so there you go, you know, with Clyde. Now, Clyde did say that he is highly concerned about this matchup against the 49ers, but, you know, he's like, we, you know, they won the wild card game, and he's just feel like he's playing with house money. So we'll see what happens against the 49ers with uh, uh, Dallas. And so, right. yeah, who knows? Okay, glad, you know. I, I, will, <laughs> I will say this, though. Uh, watching the Seattle effort against the 49ers, which to me was actually closer than the final score dictated, although you know, sure. mathematics mm-hmm. can't be that. But there were so many missed tackles. And I don't know if it was a thing of technique, but but McCaffrey, every every Samuel, they would get hit and then run for another four or five yards, and there was no mm-hmm. wrapping up. All you got to do is hold the guy's leg and wait for your teammate, but there was none of that. There was, a, And I saw an NFL coach say that uh, we don't teach uh, rapping anymore. What we do, guys are so fast. We teach the first guy to hit him and knock him off balance and slow him down and let the uh, second or third guys tap. And I'm, I'm pretty sure this guy doesn't have a job anymore. That's yeah, no, that's, that's poor coaching. That's, that's, that's poor coaching. So you stop he, the guy right there. Well, here's anyway. the thing. I mean, if there was one thing that was obvious in the C, uh, San Francisco, C, uh, San Francisco, Seattle game was the fact that Seattle, I mean, San Francisco plays bully ball. Yeah. They're going to be, they're going to beat you. The first man that hits a, a, a runner or a receiver, even the quarterback, you're not going to bring them down. It's going to be a joint thing. And, and, and they, they're fast off the snap. They hit, you watch Trent Williams and you're thinking, eh, why isn't he here? Why, why is it here? But, but that that's what they do. And you know, I was telling Clyde, it's like, listen, it's going to be a, it's going, it's not going to be a finesse game. It's not going to be a, you know, anything pretty. You've got to come, and from the first snap, you have to be physical. Period. But it reminds me of the '90s where the Cowboys had to had to leapfrog the 49ers to get to where they wanted to get. And later in the 90s, the Green Bay Packers had to leapfrog the Cowboys to get to where they needed to get. And so now here we are again, playing it out through history. Yeah, yeah. And and early, you might remember, early in those same 90s, that uh, the 49ers and the Cowboys had to leapfrog the Washington football team at, to uh, – at, those three teams in the 90s, uh, and you, I guess you got to throw the Giants in there. You got to throw the Giants in because they were the yeah. first one and, and they were the first Super Bowl in the 90s, football. right? That, that was football. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that was football. And and it wasn't, you know, why it's such a dirty word to, to play that physical. It's almost like it's, they, they've just discovered it. Like you said, wow, if we're physical and we play aggressively and play not dirty, but just play aggressively, like, you know, inflict a little bodily damage, you know, um, mm-hmm. it enhances our chances of winning. Right Now, by the way, Kevin, I want everybody to go back and watch, like, just go back on YouTube. You can find it. Just San Francisco versus Seattle, uh, 2023 wild card. Watch how fast San Francisco moves off the snap on offense, just on offense, the misdirection. Everyone goes exactly where they're supposed to go and they hit 
And whether, you know, some plays they gain four, five, six yards, 10 yards, some plays, they, it's, 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 a, it's a negative gain or it doesn't go anywhere. They don't care. We're yeah. going to hit you every play. We're faster off the snap. And by the way, on offense, I don't know why anybody is slow to react. You know the snap <laughs> count. You know what's going off on two. You know what's going off on one. Why yeah. are you not moving? <laughs> it, it, yeah. it, it just does, it baffles me. It baffles yeah. me. They do have a way of playing on the opposite side of the ball. They want all the action to take place. If offense or defense, they want it to take place on the opposite side of the ball. They're gaining ground. They're always attacking. You know, that, that uh, I've, I've mentioned so many times about the Burgundy and Gold. One of the things I dislike most about the team is the, the tendency to the first step is always a step backwards. You know, they're always <laughs> giving ground initially to break to brace themselves instead of let's hit this guy first, make him think about this a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, uh, because, but I really thought that, uh, you know, Geno Smith, you know, the Cinderella story, I guess you could be, can you be a Cinderella and still lose? I guess you can. Uh, yeah. Well, Cinderella, I mean, she lost, she won in the end, I guess, yeah. but she still had to leave the ball, you know? Yeah, 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 so. yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, you know, it was late anyway. She shouldn't have been out anyway, right? Yeah, nothing good happens after midnight. <laughs> nothing good happens that late at night, right? Yeah. Go home, young lady. <laughs> go, go home, please. <laughs> So we got our friend Rodney here. Rodney, let's talk about the Giants win against Minnesota. Just take us through your your viewing experience of the game, what you felt, and now that Philadelphia is coming up, what's your what's your mindset? Well, mindset is we're we're excited, and um, during the uh, first half, um, Minnesota uh, received the ball first, and Kirk Cousins, you know, they moved down the field easily, and I said, okay, seven up, okay, so how are we going? We're, how how were we going to respond back? And we responded back with, like we did all all year. Um, fight with integrity and, and resolve, and just come to um, come to play physically, like you've been talking about. We've been uh, physical. The offensive line did uh, really well. Saquon Barkley was running hard. Uh, Daniel Jones was paying ploys. Pl- pl- and you know, paying for that paycheck too to let everybody know that he wants to, he's arrived, you know, in town. But also, I love the uh, the Minnesota defense secondary and defense was uh, horrible too. So that's that's another thing. But um, I, I think we played a wonderful game and we dominated, you know, all facets of the game, special teams, defense, and and offense. And we we played mistake free football, didn't turn the ball over, and. Our defense came to play, and we, like you said, we've been talking. We, we was uh, really aggressive and physical, yeah. and didn't hurt ourselves. So, when you in a tournament like that, if you if you play together as a team, all phases of uh, football, fast, physical, and, and disciplined and smart, uh, we have a good chance. And especially um, Daniel Jones, if he didn't see a quick read or whatever, he would take it down and, and just move the chains. And that's what you need to do. Just move the chains, get the first down, so you can get it, get your chance to get your team in good a scoring position. And but I just, I just say overall, uh, the coaching, like you said, the coaching. We've been talking about the co- coaching the whole time we've been on here. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, big big difference has been the ball and its coaching staff. Uh, at the end of the game, when um, Slater um, dropped the uh, pass, he uh, the ball went over him. Said it's going to be okay because the next game we're going to need you. So mm-hmm. moving to the next game uh, against the Eagles, I'm feeling confident that, you know, you know, it's hard to beat a team three times, you know, in one season. And the last time we played them, it's kind of reminiscent of when we played, uh, what's that, 11, 11 season when we played the Patriots, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, at yeah, the end yeah. of the year we played the Patriots and they were going for the record to be undefeated. And then the big old thing where we're going to play the players, not players, but we kind of did the reverse. We didn't play the players, but the backups held their own against Philadelphia. So I'm sure really confident and really excited about this game coming up. And um, I also want to bring up, what was the record for all the picks of last week? Let me see yeah, what happened. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a good point. I'm going to look into that. Kevin, do you have those with you? Because I have them, but I got to get my bag. Uh, as we continue the show, I got to look around. I think my computer might be sitting on top of it. But, uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll uh, you know, we can always go back and look and listen to the videotape. But I'll, I'll be I, 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 can, I can tell you. I went six and zero oh, last weekend. You, <laughs> you went six and zero. Oh? 
Yes, he did. Six and And everybody yeah. telling me you should you should have played Fan Do. I said, Nah, that's a bad. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah. Yeah. Yes, he did. And yes, whatever. Did. So, I, and I know Kevin and I basically chose the same games. Right. 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 Wow. There's okay. Game yeah. We all, we all picked, but uh, he definitely picked. Uh, we both picked San Diego. Um, we obviously. Um, I, I, we both picked Seattle, obviously, right? Yeah. yeah. I didn't pick Jacksonville. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure you did. You picked uh, pick the Chargers. We'll find it. Yeah. Yeah, you did. But uh, yeah. All right. Oh, okay. okay. Right. Right. Giants fan, six and no. What can we say? But I'll. Uh... <laughs> but let me, let me. Okay. Let's move on while we're doing this before, um, <laughs> yeah, before I get nauseous here. Uh, yeah. One thing, the way you describe Daniel Jones, and that's the way I looked at it. And there's one word that says it efficient. You know, mm-hmm. not flashy, not the, yep. not the not the golden boy, not the big stats or whatever, but efficient. <laughs> it's the guy he's supposed to hit. Uh, and and one thing I really noticed, and I believe that the the forty nines are going to, not the forty nines, the Giants are uh, uh, who are the Giants playing? Eagles. Yeah, yeah, the Giants playing the Eagles. One thing, the Eagles. When you run play action with Saquon. It stops people, right? You know, people have to say, wait a minute, you know, play action with Saquon means something, right? It's not just like faking the ball to Curtis Samuels or something. Play action to Saquon holds a linebacker, you know, it makes the safety look. It's very, very effective. And it, it does what play action is designed to do. It, it it gives Daniel Jones that that second that he needs to, uh, to, um, Take care of what he's got to take care of. Now, tell me, Rodney, I just want to know, you know, I know you're, you're truthful, man. You'll tell me exactly what's on your mind. What did you think when Slayton dropped that ball? <laughs> what were you thinking? I was like, you got to concentrate. Don't don't look at where you're trying to go and concentrate on the ball. So, and I was thinking like, ah, oh, that's going to hurt, you know. So, that was a big down. But, uh, you know, it's been like that the whole year. Um, but Slayton has come up big because – he took a pay cut in the beginning, and he was a true, a true professional. And truly, he's probably our best weapon, deep threat. So I was like, yeah. like you know, I know he loved, you know, he wanted to make that play and everything, but you know, he's gonna have to forget about it. You know what they say, uh, forget about it. You're gonna have to yeah. forget about it and uh, yeah, move on. Before, but I was heard about it, but I figured that you know maybe um, Minnesota could, you know, will come back. But the coaching. You know, they had to use their timeouts at the end and didn't have enough time to come back. And the defense, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure putting on, especially when Kirk Cousins go for a first down, you know, and it was really what, threw it for what, six yard out and he needed 12. So I take it every time. So, you know, <laughs> a couple of things about that. I didn't understand that play at all. Yeah, like, a couple of things you about can't that play. Throw though. it short. Matter of fact, you can't even have a route that, that goes is that the key. Short. They, they, like Cousins in that play, been, there yeah. should not be an option that for a four-yard dunk. That is exactly like right. Kirk Cousins gets all the grief for that play, but the tight end, in no way, shape, or form, was he supposed to run a route less than the first, less than the markers. Look, I'm not, man, I'm not a football expert, but any any anybody who plays any organized sport, flag football, you know, you got to get the first down. So yeah, Kirk for throwing it to him, uh, but but definitely. Uh, the, the tight end for running that route, which is is is, is just inexcusable, man, inexcusable. But uh, I'm still looking for those records, man. I'm pretty sure you got. It. I put it on a very important <laughs> piece of paper. But so you continue with the show while we're doing this, right? You know. Well, so. speaking of continuing with the show, let's take a quick break. We'll come back <laughs> and we're going to talk a little Georgetown basketball with a special guest coming up on the Federal Football Report. <laughs> Hey, everybody, it's David and Nikki Nellis for Foodie and the Beast, the D.C. area's one and only food and wine variety show right here on 1500 AM. You want to know what's going on at the local restaurants, what the local chefs are doing and saying, except for the French chefs, I can never understand them, the vineyards, wine seminars, more. It's all right here on Foodie and the Beast every Sunday morning at 11, right here on 1500 AM. Ladies and gentlemen, back to the Federal Football Report on Federal News Network and Podcast One, wherever you get your fine podcast. But we are not just 
football. Now, anybody who listens to the show knows that I'm a proud Washingtonian, born and raised in D.C., and they know I love some hoops, right? You know, just like football is in my my my, my veins, you know, basketball is in my foot puzzles. And if you're on Twitter, if you're in the D.C. area and you follow, follow hoops at all, you need to follow MTC with Mook, a.k.a. Marcus Washington, and he's joining us right now to, to fill us in on what's going on up on the hill in Georgetown. Marcus, welcome, man. So glad to have you on. Thank you very much for having me. And boy, it's not going very well up on that hill, let me tell you. Okay. Okay. Well, let's jump in. Let me let me tell you, man. Um, I'm I'm a little bit older than, than the guys around. <laughs> right. So I remember I saw Patrick Ewing play in the Capitol Classic, right? And I saw this big, raw, young guy get abused by the time by a Stuart Gray from UCLA, right? But then I saw I saw this guy grow. I saw him. I saw him. Oh, yeah, by the way, folks, Marcus was in the car headed to, <laughs> to cover the Maryland Terrapins tonight. So, no, this, this is fine, man. This is a, a home show, right? We, we, you know, we're for real here. So anyway, I, I've seen, I saw this guy grow from a kid, literally, man. I saw him, I saw him you know, as the freshman it, it, uh, blocked the first three shots against North Carolina. I saw him win the ring against Houston. I saw him lose against Villanova, right? I saw him as the first pick in the, I mean, in the, number one pick in the NBA draft, and I could not be more happy for Georgetown and for the program when he was named the head coach. But it just doesn't seem to be working out, man. Can you just tell me what's going on, man? The floor is yours. I think the part of the problem is just Patrick's inability to adjust to the college game. Not so much of that the NBA – has overtaken him from a uh, from a coaching perspective as much as it is. I don't think he can get out of his way of when he played in college. Uh, there's a very flawed way of his thinking. He's on year six, and you would have thought he would have adjusted by now. When he looks at the current team, he always says, Brandon Murray is my best player. So we have to run things through Brandon Murray. And we're in the era of college basketball and somewhat in the NBA where a lot of teams do not have a best player. A lot of teams are playing mm -hmm. five man basketball right yeah. and so what ended up happening is is that Georgetown at times because of Ewing is trying to force things into this concept that no longer existed so you see guys taking bad shots uh Brandon Murray takes some horrible contested two-point shots Primo Spears, uh, late in games, the ball quits moving because he feels like, hey, look, I have to be the guy. Almost like back in the 1990s where everyone in the NBA ran something through a guy. And, you know, back in the early 80s and in the late 80s, that was somewhat in college basketball the same way. Danny or Danny Manny and the Miracles. You know, yes. you ran things through a guy. Well, you can't run things through a guy anymore when you're Georgetown and when you're most teams. Even North Carolina has realized that they can't run something in particular through a guy. It has to be a five-man basketball concept. And right now, that's the downfall of Georgetown right now, that when they get into these close games, and they've been in plenty of close games the last two years, things just just break apart um, going down the stretch offensively where it becomes just a one comical uh, possession after another offensively. And it, it's why the losing streak is as long as it is. Yeah, that you've you've hit on so much so much good stuff or bad stuff, depending on how you want to look at it right there. So let, let me break it down. Uh, in terms of recruiting, knowing this, it it seems like he's able to get talent. We, we're gonna talk about incoming talent, then we also have to talk about the outgoing talent. It it seems like he's able to get guys there who are physically capable of playing the college game. I mean, the average athlete these days who come in playing college basketball, they're pretty astute. They, they see what's happening in the NBA. It's just like you said. There is no backcourt, middle, forward, up front. You know, it's everybody is a 6'11 uh, swingman who can play point if they have to, right? What makes these guys – what's the appeal for them to come to Georgetown? Well, right now, it is, it is hard, and you don't see the local guys coming to Georgetown right now. As you see, Maryland has kind of jumped in there and has stole yeah. um, the local guy Thunder. 
what I think with Georgetown is and with Patrick Ewing, as college basketball's landscape has changed with the transfer portal and all the COVID years and that sort of thing is you almost have to be a GL. Patrick Ewing has been able to bring in guys that do have incredible individual talent. Where the failure has happened is he has not brought in guys that fit together. And then that's why you get the mass transfers. He's lost every recruiting class that has come in under him. The McClung Akinjo class, all of them was gone by the end of year two. The class that followed that, all of them are gone. And it's hard to keep them because the transfer portal has become this great way of saying, if I'm not happy right now, I'm gone. And with Georgetown struggles and just the no end in sight and Patrick bringing in so many guys out of the portal that the freshmen don't want to wait to play a year or two down the line. So there's no continuity. So for college basketball, not only right now do you need to be a coach with X's and O's, making sure you're going to class and all these other things, you or someone on your staff almost has to be a player personnel GM to say, hey, look, I know this guy is a former four-star and has all these accolades, but he doesn't fit in for what we're, we want to do. In Ewan's case, it's like, I'm going to get this collection of talent, and then I'm going to kind of hope it works out. And it hasn't worked out. And by the way, it's not just Patrick Ewan. We're seeing some struggles in Kentucky with that. Uh, yes. Shire and Duke, I know he's had a lot of injuries, but he's going through this process of trying to put all these pieces together in a college basketball landscape where you literally have teams that have 23 and 24-year-olds on their team that have four and five years of college basketball experience. It's, it makes it a lot tougher to win. Yeah. Um, uh, you mentioned Matt McClung. I always thought that that transfer was pretty much the one that sort of started the dominoes falling. And, and it happened at a, at a time where just that two, I believe McClung transferred the year before Georgetown won the, uh, the Big East tournament. Is that right? Is that, it was somewhere yeah. close. To that. Yeah. And, and it seemed like it was, when they won the tournament as, as a, a play-in game, I believe, uh, it was a little bit of redemption there for Patrick, but it seemed like in the actuality that, that was just delaying the, the inevitable. Was, it, was that coupled with, and I forget the player who was uh, arrested for breaking in the girl's house and stealing the stereo that he gave her, something like that, right? That period of time, that's what I'm looking at as, as this thing is, start, is starting to, to crumble. Am I, am I wrong on that? Am I missing that? <laughs> Oh, no, you're not. And that that class that brought in Akinjo, uh, McClung, uh, Josh LeBlanc, right. uh, all of those guys, along with the transfers that came in, was almost symbolic of the beginning of the end. And the four nights in, in New York was almost um, misleading to where the program was. And yeah. I think that where Georgetown got themselves in trouble with the contract extension. But I think a lot of people, um, if you look at history of that time period and don't revise it, um, everyone knew that there was friction between Akinjo and McClung. And when Akinjo left, you know, the thought process was, well, okay, you got one of them have taken themselves out of the situation. Matt McClung has what he wants. But what ended up happening was because Patrick went into the transfer portal and got an experienced point guard, which, by the way, was the right decision at the yeah. time being. And McClung was worried about, well, my NBA uh, report that comes back to me says that I need to be a primary ball handler and I have to learn how to do that. And I felt like he felt betrayed. But let's be for real. At some point, Patrick has to do what's best to keep his job. Right. So right. It says McClung felt um, betrayed. The truth of the matter is it was what was best for the program at the time being. So then McClung leaves, go to Texas Tech, which, by the way, he went right back into the transfer portal after that. And let's not forget that. Right. Just forget right. that. But for Georgetown, um, it was the beginning of some trouble that was overshadowed by the fact that they won the Big East tournament and everyone kind of wanted to turn the, the blind eye to what was really right in front of us. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Kevin, it's it's just a uh, Marcus. You know, when you talk, you said two simple phrases there uh, in that in that response. Number one was Pat, uh, Ewing's got to do what he's got to do to keep his job, uh, and then you said turn a blind eye. Um, it seems like that you know the the, the hundred pound elephant in the room is should Patrick Ewing keep his job? Like if he was a different person, I mean, he's Georgetown royalty, and maybe the school has you know, put themselves against the wall. They put themselves in a corner to where you've got this guy. You can't fire him because of what he meant to the place, but he's also not getting it done. What What do you feel regarding him, job security, Georgetown in a corner? What's what, what's going on with him? Well, I think for, for Patrick in the university, it is will Patrick kind of love his university enough to leave? So we don't get to this point. Now, knowing, you know, the whole David Falk uh, theory and, and how he tells his client, uh, I don't foresee Patrick leaving because uh, not to break this down to a money portion, you know, the old Jim Calhoun statement, not a dime back. So whatever is <laughs> left on the track, they're going to want that money. Now, for Georgetown, that's not a big athletic school uh, as far as in importance and having donors that are just going to write out checks to make guys go away. Um, Do you want to absorb what it's going to take to make him go away? Um, I'm not sure if they're still uh, paying uh, JT3 uh, from when he left. I know that was something that was extended over some years. I'm not sure how many years that was. But a a better question is, can Georgetown afford it? Um, And are they willing to pay it? And I don't have the answer. What I do know is if we're talking strictly about basketball and we're talking about any other situation in this country, I do think it's not unreasonable to say that (laughs) Jordan probably would have lost his job um, a year or two ago. And that's fair. But Mm -hmm. my big question and the elephant in the room is who do you bring in? And that's going to depend on who Georgetown wants to be. And I have said this, and I know people have pushed back on me. Everyone keeps screaming, Rick Pitino, Rick Pitino, Rick Pitino. And my thing has always been, does Georgetown want to be Auburn? Auburn brings in Bruce Pearl and and Hugh Freeze. That's who Auburn is. But is that who Georgetown is? There are great, to me, assistant coaches at academic forward schools that you can hire and it be a good hire. There are guys on Duke's bench in Carrollwell. There is Jason Williford down there at UVA. There's Jesse Pruitt out there at Stanford. Guys who are with academic forward schools that have integrity that you can bring in, but doesn't have, you know, the big sexy name. So when people scream Patino, what Patino's past, and I, I don't want to get into his past, but we all know what it is. Um, <laughs> do you, is that the message you're sending out? that Georgetown is willing as a university to sell its soul to get 23 to 25 wins a year. Because I feel like there are coaches that you can get to get 23 to 25 years, uh, 25 wins a year that you don't have to sell your soul to do. Mm-hmm. No, I, I got Rodney uh, in a text saying Nolan Smith. He wanted to add a, a name. Now, here's my thing. This is totally – This is so we normally do football – um, and, and so normally we just go about what we see. We go about what we know. We don't do speculation or we don't do imagination. Do you guys mind going to the land of make-believe with me? I just want to go Georgetown basketball, Deion Sanders route. What if in some way, say some form, cause I feel like to get that top-notch athlete from this area and be like, what if you brought in a player like Allen Iverson associated with the program who still has the appeal to these guys who can ball and bring, I'm not saying as a head coach, but just bring him into the program. Let these guys see him, let him, you know, his persuasion, let him, let him work a little bit here and see if he can help as well. Ooh, that's a, that's a tough one right there. That's a, <laughs> I would be afraid of the situation. Yeah. yeah. No, I do think that Georgetown needs to do is have some sort of connection locally. I'm not saying the whole staff has to have that connection. And I hate to put it this way and without digging in too deep into recruiting, it wouldn't hurt Georgetown if they put uh, someone associated 
with team takeover on their staff. Maybe not as the head guy, but as an assistant coach mm-hmm. uh, or team mm-hmm. Durant or someone like that. And, and, you know, I'm heading out to the University of Maryland right now. We all know that one of their assistant coaches in Tony Skin does have a team takeover connection. Now, let, not, now let, you know, let me interrupt you there. See, so I went to Tacoma Academy with Tony Skin. Mm-hmm. He was two he was two years behind me. And uh-huh. you know, I remember I think he when I was a junior, he was a freshman. And I remember him on the varsity team. And the only reason I had a shot, because they were like, Well, we're gonna start you at junior varsity as a freshman. And then as a sophomore, he was on varsity. I just decided not to try out. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, uh also with David Cox, who has uh, all kinds of tentacles to the AAU scene here. He used to be at University of Rhode Island as a head coach. He's also on Maryland's bench. And you've noticed that Maryland's um, local uh, recruiting has picked up. They have the young man from PBI coming back, uh, coming there next year, uh, Smith Harris. Uh, Jamie Kaiser, you know, he's at IMG. He's a Northern Virginia guy. Um, and they were able to grab those guys. And I'm not saying that, you know, all the answers for Georgetown is in local recruiting. But I do think it's somewhat important to get um, t- in touch back with this area, which is one of the most fertile high school areas for recruits. There's yeah. a reason why University of Michigan has uh, Terrence Williams and Doug McDaniel, who is from this area. It's the reason why Indiana um was a Xavier Johnson who they're always in this area. They try to get Kaiser to come out to Bloomington. There's a reason why everyone's been there. Heck, Jay Wright made a living out of the DMV Baltimore area and got national championships out of it. So there's a reason why you want that connection. I just think that that needs to be in place somewhere with Georgetown if they do want to move on from Patrick Ewing. Hey, I heard somebody say it's in the water. You know, that's what, <laughs> that's what they told me. And look, we don't, we're not going to hold you, man, because we know you got some more important work to do. I've absolutely loved this. Hated what I heard, but I love <laughs> having you on. Let's, let's hit the NFL uh, real quick. Uh, your, your, your take on, on the commanders, the, the collapse this year, and the firing of, of Scott Turner. Well, I think for them, it's it's almost time to move on. You do want to hold out, though. I know fans always love to, hey, man, season's over, Black Monday, let's make all these changes. We all know there's going to be an ownership change. And, in fact, I know we can't, uh, you know, throw a crystal ball and go backwards, but think about it. If we knew that this ownership change was going to happen, you probably would have wanted to wait on the whole rebranding on top of that. Um, as far as Scott Turner being gone, he needed to be gone. Um, I don't think he was the answer for the commanders. He got ample chance to fix things. I don't know if it was stubbornness or not, but he was really, really part of the problem. For an offense that, if you look on paper, they're really not that bad offensively. And I know there were injuries and stuff like that, as with all NFL teams, but it's going to be important after the ownership stuff get settled in. And I know I've read everywhere. It's going to be around that March time period. They're not going to take away from the Super Bowl, trying to get this thing all um, straightened out. That is going to be the most important decision is I come in as an owner. Do I bring in a real GM and just make Ron Rivera the coach? Uh, Do I just throw everyone out and say, I'm going to start over with my guy and then hope that they don't hire Nathaniel Hackett like the Waltons did out there at Denver, you know? And then that is what it is for Washington. They have a chance to get things right. But whoever the new ownership group is, they're the guys who are going to have to put this together and think about a long-term plan. Because here's the one thing about all commanders fans, heavily invested in wanting to win, heavily invested in wanting to be proud of this team. You know, if it means moving back to RFK, which could be back into play and and bring back that old historic feeling, there is not a better fan base in the NFL than this fan base. And the the living through what they've gone through in the Snyder era has been awful, but they are ready to love again. They're ready to be hurt again. They're ready to love again. So for me, all the changes lead to let's get the ownership uh, group in place. Let's get a real structure. And I'm telling you how the NFL works. This team 
could be playing on this weekend next year. Yes, yes, absolutely. absolutely. Marcus, this has been fabulous, man. First of all, let me apologize for not inviting you on earlier. That's oh, a no man, <laughs> I, I'm so overly thrilled that you asked and I had a chance to come on. This is this has been terrific. Hey, look, tell the people where they can find you out there on social media on or on the old-fashioned, you know, airways. Well, <laughs> you can find me at MTC with Mook on Twitter and Instagram. That's the best place to find me at. I, I have a regular spot on the ACC and Atlantic 10 and 910, the fan in Richmond. I post all my stuff there. As you probably know, I do post games, pre games, and all the games that I cover, uh, I cover live. Just come there. I'm not one of those jerks. On, on social media, to me, um, I, I I love interacting with the people out there. I'm not who I am. I don't have these opportunities without everyone who jumps in there and interacts. And we can disagree as long as we disagree respectfully. All right. We appreciate you, man. We appreciate you. And this will not be the last visit. Believe you me. I promise you that. Okay. Thank you, All Kevin. Right. All right. Take Bye. care, Hey everybody, it's David and Nikki Nellis for Foodie and the Beast, the D.C. area's one and only food and wine variety show right here on 1500 AM. You want to know what's going on at the local restaurants, what the local chefs are doing and saying, except for the French chefs, I can never understand them, the vineyards, wine seminars, more. It's all right here on Foodie and the Beast every Sunday morning at 11, right here on 1500 AM. Welcome back to the Federal Football Report or Federal Basketball Report. You know, given the last segment, I'm Claude Jennings. He's Kevin Stanfield, Rodney Henderson joining us. And, man, you know, shout out to Marcus, man, for joining us on the show. That was awesome to have him on. Talk a little Georgetown basketball. Um, You know, look, if you're from the DMV, uh, Georgetown basketball, and you grew up in a certain era, Georgetown basketball was, was the thing. And right now, it's not, okay? I mean, it's not. It's not. And, you know, so. Hey, there's an interview on, on uh, uh, the Team 980 with Judge Johnson uh, interviewing Snoop Dogg. And Snoop was telling him how important Georgetown basketball was, not just to basketball, but was to the culture. Mm-hmm, him mm-hmm. and all his boys were wearing Georgetown jackets, had no idea where Georgetown was. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but it was. You know, John Thompson, uh, I mean, it was not just basketball, man. And I wish we had more time with Marcus. We definitely got to have him back on, man, because it wasn't mm-hmm. just about basketball with Georgetown. It was mm-hmm. about life. Well, and don't forget, wasn't it wasn't it Coach Coach uh, John Thompson who uh, you know famously uh, you know sat down and spoke to one of the infamous drug dealers in D.C. and said, "Listen, don't come around here talking to my boys. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't do it." And <laughs> and and he respected it. it because it was it was it was it was Big John. That's, that's what I mean. That's the way it was. When Big John tells you to do something, you just do it. You know, Man, drug dealer or not. Know. Loved him, man. Think about Big John. Everybody knew about the deflated basketball he kept on his desk. You know, that's what he told all his players. You know, what you going to do when the air runs out this bad boy, right? Mm -hmm. This is about life, right? You know, so, yeah. So, man, much love to Marcus for that that time, right? You know, so, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely got to do it again. This time, talk about some wisdom, too, right? Yeah. Now, by the way, I will say this, you know, Georgetown should listen to my suggestion about somehow getting AI involved with these ki- with these boys. They listen to them. They will listen. All they got to do is watch watch some YouTube. You know, some of them may not know who he is. Watch some YouTube. They would yeah. listen. Uh, Get oh, them involved somehow. Everybody knows about the answer, right? But the thing about that is, <clears throat> I, I think with the, the way. Patrick came along the way the things he learned the the social lessons he learned coming up and coming through the ranks and and just learning like I don't think that he'll quit I don't think that that's in his nature because it's I not. feel he feel like not so much about him I feel like he he feels like he would be abandoning the program and sure. he's not that kind of guy right yeah, you know, yeah, he yeah. probably would be better for them to fire him uh, basically, and that and that hurts me, man. Because well, don't fire him, don't fire him. Bring AI along is what I'm saying. Have him there. Have him with the yeah. boys. Have him that would under have to be Patrick. Patrick. Yeah. That would, that would be have to be nuts. Patrick's call. Could you imagine that? Yeah, that would have. Oh man, it would be. 
Taylor oh. or Michael Graham. But uh, <laughs> that would be a Well, anyway, it's time to jump to fake news or not. Fake news or not. I've got three statements coming out of Washington. And Kevin and Rodney's got to let me know whether it's fake news or not. Statement number one, we'll start with Kevin. Then we'll go to Rodney. Fake news or not, statement number one. The Washington Commanders will be owned by a different ownership group at the start of training camp. Kevin, then Rodney, fake news or not? Uh, fake news with a caveat. It's, it's entirely <laughs> possible. People are not missing this. This guy can sell a part of the team. He doesn't. He can sell 40. I don't know what his percentage of ownership, if he owns 100%. Uh, but he doesn't have to sell the whole thing. He doesn't have to sell the whole thing. It's like it's like a timeshare. <laughs> <You know? laughs> he just he just sells his, his weekend uh, hours, his weekend uh, 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 you know uh, days, you know whatever, right? So yeah, so that, that's uh, that's uh, fake news. Fake news. Okay, Rodney. Uh, I agree. Fake news. You won't see it till I believe it. It could happen with the percentage. You know. Uh, uh, is, I think I think he has majority. He's majority owner now because mm-hmm. he did at the beginning of the season, which I didn't understand. Is he bought out all the my, minority? Uh, That's owners. right. So he did. I, yeah. I I think I think until I see it, I won't believe. Okay. But right. uh, money talks, and Daniel Snyder. I'm hearing I'm hearing that he's going to go to Europe, uh, London, somewhere. So you know, um, I, I won't believe it until I see it. So yeah, fake news. All right, fake news there. Fake news or not statement number two. It will be an all NFC East NFC championship game, which means obviously, I mean, either the Giants or Eagles, you know, no matter what happens there, one's going to get there, but that just means the Cowboys will beat the 49ers. So an all NFC East NFC championship game, fake news or not. Kevin. If it wasn't for the... Pathetic performance by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, on Monday night. I, I would say that that was news, but there was no true measure, no indication. I mean, there was no challenge there. I, I don't. I, I really, really don't understand. If I mean, did, was Tom feeling bad? Well, that wasn't Tom Brady. That was the Tom Brady we saw when uh, Taylor Heineke beat him. <laughs> because you know, after the uh, playoff game, uh, the the Buccaneers played at a FedEx Field, and um, I think Brady was something like thirteen for twenty nine or something like that. So mm-hmm. that was the same Tom Brady. The defense, it was like it, it it was like whatever was wrong with Dallas the prior week was wrong with Tampa Bay <laughs> <laughs> that week. And, right. <laughs> and 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 who knows what's happening? When you talk to Clyde, ask him what's happening with the kicker, man. Is it the same guy? Oh, is, goodness. Is he, uh, yeah. you know, what happened, what is he in isolation? What is going on with that? So I'm, I'm going to say that it's news. I'm going to say that, yes, we're going to have an all NFC East uh, championship game. And, and one team didn't participate in any way, shape or form. <laughs> so you're saying it's, it's going to be Dallas versus the Giants or Eagles? Oh, yes, I do. I'm saying. Okay. Giants. <laughs> <laughs> Rodney, your thoughts. Cowboys versus Giants. Uh, so is it going to be an all NFC East? In, uh, yeah, NFC, in, NFC East blue, 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 NFC okay, East right, blue, okay. blue final. Yes. yes. All right. Okay. So the Giants are going to come down to Dallas for an NFC, for an NFC championship Ooh. game. My goodness. My yeah, goodness. Yeah. In, yeah. You know, so my, my cousin Clyde, he only watched Cowboys games by himself. He rarely even lets his son watch <laughs> it with him. And so I would try to talk to him and say, hey, man, Championship game. Come on out, have some fun. Let's see if we can get right, a little get right. together together. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see what he does. I don't know if he'll do it. All right, I, here we go. Fake news. <laughs> fake news or not? Uh, statement number three. Uh, and and here's the thing. So I'm going back and forth between whether I should make it football general or whether I should make it specific about the commanders. And I think I'll make it specific about the commanders. Okay, I, I like that. No matter who the offensive coordinator is, because we don't know who it will be, whoever they hire, they will get that pick right. Fake news or not? Fake news. 
<laughs> Fake news. If they were going to get it right, they would have done it by now. <laughs> they would have done it by now. If you go to the store, you need an avocado. You go to the store, you go get an avocado. You don't go to five or six different stores looking for the best avocado they got or right. avocado that fits your recipe. You get an avocado. I need right. an avocado. I'm going to go get one. I'll be back in a minute and make some uh, guac. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. they, they're taking too long with this thing. There's too much going on behind the scenes. There's too much guys don't want to be here. Look, I understand there might be a new ownership or, or, or something down the road, but there's plenty of dudes out there that want a job. <laughs> you know, you, you don't true. have to get the best guy you get. Get the best guy you can. Mm -hmm. you, know? Mm -hmm. you know, find a wide receivers coach somewhere. That Look. Isn't that how, uh, uh, what, what's the little boy's name, the coach of, of, the, of the Rams? Um, uh, oh, Sean McVay? <laughs> Isn't that what I love how you call him the little boy. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that, and it, yeah, and all his frat brothers got jobs all around the league, right? Right. They went somewhere, went to the Rams and gave somebody a shot, right? They're not, you know, none of this, man. No. So they're going to, they've blown it already. That, that's fake news. They've already blown it. It's too late. We just got to sell for what they get. All right. Okay. Rodney? Uh, so I, 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 I say fake news, but I, I feel like the owner situation is still up in the air. I don't think nobody want to come here. Mm -hmm. I would love to see Byron Leftwich come here, but do you want to come here for one year? That's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. And by the way, Tom Brady and some of those guys should be ashamed of themselves. It was not Byron Leftwich's fault. Because remember... He was the, one of the hottest offensive coordinators on the market for a head coaching job mm -hmm. three years ago, two years ago, four years ago. And now all of a sudden, because Brady, you know, just decides he's you know, not taking any hits. I will throw the ball in the ground, like mm -hmm. obviously to avoid hits because I'm not going to. And now Byron's the issue. That was that was BS by Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. That that told mm -hmm. me one one of uh, two things, either Brady's coming back and he's coming back and he has something to do with it or Brady's not coming back and they did something. You know what I'm saying? The team right. reacted like that because of Brady, Brady would have protected him. I, I believe, I do believe. If he Brady wanted to protect him. If yeah. he wanted to, if, you know, if he doesn't, if he doesn't care, he's not going to stay. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. So yeah, that, make, that, that, that's, that also says that something happened behind the scenes. They're not saying. Right. Like it was a rift right. somewhere. Something happened between the offense, defense, coaching staff. I don't know. Something happened that that the chemistry wasn't there, the brotherhood wasn't there. Uh, something happened that they they not you know placing out there. So for I was surprised that they, it was probably was it was it was it twenty four hours? It wasn't even twenty four hours. No, like, it wasn't twenty four right, hours. After the game, you know what it is. Put put the press out. You out. Brian yeah. is inspired. Yeah. So you gone. Yeah, but so, I will say this, a decision was made within right. 24 hours. They made a decision. There's something, mm -hmm. you know, I don't agree with I just with remember it. Byron Leftwood sharing stories of how he, you know, him and his buddies would, you know, sneak into, you know, RFK to watch games and stuff. It would be cool to have him here, you know. Oh, absolutely. And, absolutely. Uh, but this team isn't smart enough to do that. I'm a huge Byron Leftwood fan. and so, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But this team isn't smart enough to do that. All right. Oh, that's fake news. When I said avocado... I remember where I put, I wrote down uh, our picks last week. I used a notepad for my grocery list and it's up in the kitchen. Well, I, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> okay. Well, let's do picks. Let's do picks this week. And we'll start with the NFC. We've got right. the Eagles and Giants. Kevin, who you got? Then Rodney, who you got? Then I'll go with who I got. Got no pad here. Got no pad. Got no pad. Uh, I'm going with the Eagles. I'm going, it's going to be a close game because there's been a long layoff here. Jalen Hurts has had time to uh, recuperate and it's going to go, uh, it's going to go as Jalen Hurts goes. And I think that, and I hate saying this because I hate when other people say it, his legs will be the difference in this game because mm -hmm. he might be a little rusty coming back, but um, he will always make positive yard. If a play breaks down, uh, you got the advantage with Jalen, much like, uh, much like um, uh, J Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is a, there's a, a positive in the, you know, he's not a negative in, in the quarterback position, but I just think that overall the talent is a little bit uh, better, uh, especially at the wide receiver position for the Eagles. So I'm going to Eagles. Okay. All right, Sorry. Rodney. Yeah. 
It's gonna be a Writing tough. It it's gonna, paper. This is gonna be a tough, tough victory. But I believe my G man's gonna um, pull it out. We we we're playing together as a team. Like I said before, it's a brotherhood. Uh, Dexter Lawrence is playing phenomenal. He's 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 he showcasing that he's the best defensive lineman in the league. Um, I don't oh. think the offensive line. I mean, even though one of the strengths <laughs> is physical, um, Philadelphia is the offensive line. It's truly going to be a, a wonderful game at eight o'clock Saturday. I wish it was right. Sunday. You know, get an extra day of rest. But mm-hmm. you know, bring it on. You know, maybe that's a <laughs> a, a blessing in the sky. You know, so. But yeah. I, I really believe that the uh, Giants going to take it, and we're going to um, be in the uh, NFC East championship. Now, I'm, now, I'm Clyde, now Clyde, Clyde, I'm sorry, Clyde, Clyde did say this. Clyde did say, uh, my cousin did text in and say, you know, it's it's interesting how the, the Eagles are the number one seed, but the Cowboys are playing on Sunday in the evening game. Because, <laughs> because, yeah. 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 Uh, 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 now, uh, Kevin, you go ahead with what you were about to say. No, I was just going to say an observation is how confident Rodney is with his picks now that he's gone 6-0 and the week before. It's just like, <laughs> just, just flow out. <laughs> well, with success comes confidence, right? Yes, with success yes, yes, comes yes. a certain level of confidence. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say Giants. Giants. Because the Giants Super Bowl teams in the 2000s with Eli, they weren't like standout teams. They just got hot late in the season. Mm-hmm. And this team... Is hot right now. I think that, you know, we've got to remember, you know, Jalen, uh, yeah, was hurt, uh, played well in the in most of the season, but, you know, maybe there's some rust. Maybe there's some coming back and things aren't clicking as well. And the and again, the Giants has have momentum. The you know, when the commanders have momentum, they're one of the scarier teams in the league. And I feel the same way about the Giants. When they have momentum and they're winning, they're one of the scarier teams in the league. And I think that the Giants will keep it close. If they lose, it's going to come down. We'll be able to pinpoint two plays or two coaching decisions where they – and it won't be bad decisions. It will be that 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 the head coach, um, Dable, just went for it. Like – we're going to try to win. We're trying to win this game. We're not playing like we're not trying to lose it. And so mm-hmm. I think we'll be able to pinpoint two point. If they lose it, we'll be able to pinpoint two point two parts in the game where they where they lost it. But I don't think they're going to lose it. I, I think Philadelphia is going down in in, in Philly. All right, here we go. Uh, San Francisco Cowboys, Kevin. A moment of silence, please, for this pick, because I'm picking the Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let me like, we've got to get a recall here. I gotta get that taste out of my mouth. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm picking the Cowboys because like I said, I saw vulnerability in, in the 49ers. It was so many missed tackles, uh uh Third down and 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 five, they let the guy get six yards, things like that. And and um, they're still dealing with a rookie quarterback. And if they treat him like a rookie, um, uh, I, I think that Dallas has a good chance. They, Dallas has too many weapons, man. They just got too many ingredients on their team, and and they're supposed to win. They should win. So that's mm-hmm. that's why I'm picking the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Rodney. I wanted to pause the fact too. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with the Cowboys too. <laughs> okay. All right. Sorry, man. Look, I'll take a recolor for you, man. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Cowboys too. And the reason why I think is because I think 49ers secondary, but uh, besides the safety might be worse than Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. with, with that saying, I, I think Dak is going to have a good day. Only if he can get past it boasts, uh, you know, the defensive line. So, and I, I really cool. believe um, Michael Parris is going to wreck havoc. Mm-hmm. I really, I really believe steps, he's going to yeah. wreck havoc on, on Trent Williams. Can't I don't think Trent Williams is healthy, yeah. you know. So, I really believe the uh, the boys is going to win, and it's going to be a uh, NFC East blue championship. I, I agree with you, Rodney. I think Cowboys are going to win. And, um, you know, a few things that I'll point to is the fact that the 49ers, yeah, they won a lot of games, but they haven't beat a lot of teams with winning records. Um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, when you saw Seattle in that first half, 
if it wasn't for turnovers early in the second half, uh, maybe we're looking at a closer game. Um, I also think Dallas has the advantage of we lost to you last year, you know, Uh and, and the sting of, you know, um, of that last play of Dak Uh running them, not knowing the rules of the ref has to touch the ball first. You know, honestly, if they hand, I'm not saying they win, but if they hand the ball, the ref to the ref after that play, and the ref down it, they have at least seven seconds left on the clock, and they can down it, and then they can have one more shot at the end zone, right? And so um, I think I, Dallas is routinely unprepared to play games. Mike McCarthy does not get a team up to play. They're routinely unprepared for games. I do believe that this that's the perfect storm because they don't need a coach to get them ready to play this game. <laughs> they all remember it from last year. And right. so Mike McCarthy doesn't even need to That's travel funny. with the team. He could stay in Dallas <laughs> and let the boys just go play football. And I think the Cowboys are going to win this game. I think they're going to win it. And, uh, you know, but we'll see. I think we're going to have an NFC East um, uh, NFC championship game. And, all, right. and so we'll see. all right, let's go to AFC. Buffalo, Cincinnati. Kevin, what you got? I'm going to go with Cincinnati on this game because because Buffalo struggled Mm -hmm. a little bit too much in this past game. And Josh Allen is starting to show the effect of some of those hits, right? You know, he's not not quite as invincible as as he used to be. He used to be Iron Man and and he's he's got he's got some weapons, but like I said, they they showed that that they could be had because Miami almost had them with a third string quarterback. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm um, going with Cincinnati on this one. Yeah, I I believe, and I love to go matchups with defense, offensive line. I believe the injury of Vaughn Miller they're gonna really miss Vaughn Miller on this game. I think I'm going to go with Cincinnati only because I think Cincinnati – well, Cincinnati's hurt on the offensive line. They lost that left yeah. mm-hmm. uh, Jonah Williams. So, mm-hmm. Jonah Williams' kneecap is hurt. That's going to be tough. But I think Joe Burrow gets gets the ball out so quick. I believe uh, Cincinnati's going to pull it out. I think the offense is too explosive for uh, Buffalo defense, even though Buffalo offense is, is good too. But I just think it's not enough. Um, and I think Island's going to turn the ball over. It's really going to help him, um, you know, you know, help, you know, Cincinnati win and be enough to take the win. Okay. Well, I feel like when we watch Cincinnati, we're watching the second coming of Montana and Rice. Uh, that's just, you know, when you look at, like, when you look at these guys, I'm thinking Montana and Rice, you know, and Burrow, Burrow and, and, and Chase. It is what it is. Um, I'm going Cincinnati. All right, Kansas City and who are they? Uh, Jacksonville. Kansas City and Jacksonville. I'm just going to get mine out the way. Now, right? Kansas City. I have nothing to explain. Kansas City. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me throw in here real quick. Whoever set the roster of San Diego, he and their play caller ought to be like coming to Washington to interview. There's no way in the world you're supposed to lose a league like that in a playoff game, right? Unbelievable. And, you know what? They should make every NFL offensive coordinator watch their Super Bowl where the Falcons lost that lead to the Patriots, right? You know? Every, and show every a time. Clock. Yeah, show a clock and say, you know, when you run the ball, this keeps moving, you know? You know? And then it, I saw, and, and I'm not sure, I got to go back and look, you know, I'm not a... Um, and the latest guy, I saw in that game, the second half, San, San Diego threw the ball 24 times and ran it seven times. They Unbelievable. This. Ridiculous. They and by this. the way, I got several texts from Clyde Jenkins, my cousin, yeah, yeah. in the Cowboys game in the second half, and they were just all caps, run the ball. <laughs> and then another text, run the yeah. ball. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, you know, Clyde, you know, three-letter word. He's pretty uh, sharp with those. So, uh, <laughs> so I put myself and when the I'm words sorry, aren't complex, he can yeah, he I can form a sentence. Yeah, yeah, I, I got you know, I got you. Fellas. That's all I got. That's all I got, fellas. Come on, man. A, so you go. I'm going. I'm going. KC. Uh, Clyde going. Click. KC. Rodney, it's up to you. I'm gonna go the opposite way. I'm gonna go Jacksonville. What? <laughs> <laughs> Well, go Jacksonville. Okay, right. 
Well, he is six and zero. Oh. He's six and zero. Oh. Yeah, what can I say? He is six and zero. Oh. Yeah, I'm not. I will. Yeah. I will. I will boat up there and get that list because I, I know where it is now. I know where the pad is now, and I will. Uh, you know, we should post it to the website, right? But yeah, okay. Rodney going to Jacksonville. Now this one I'm stapling right on top of the computer, right beside my, <laughs> right beside my, my granddaughter's drawing of a uh, Bugs Bunny, right? So yeah, that's, that's right here. So we know that's going to be next week, right? You know, so. Cool, cool. All right, all right. All right. Well, those are the picks, folks. Uh, We'll be back (laughs) next week breaking down playoff stuff with Rodney as well. Uh, Obviously, Kevin, you can follow him at Stanfield. Kevin, me at Claude J uh, Media. And we'll be back. Uh One more thing, man. Y'all got to throw a follow to my boy uh, Marcus. That's MTC with Mook. And uh, at MTC with Mook, of course, he's a great uh, uh, sports follower, and particularly hoops in this area. He hustles. He's the hardest working man in show business. I'm telling y'all, give him a follow. You love what you what you see and hear from this brother. Yeah, no, he's great. He's great. All right, folks. 